1: Recording live from Glory Hole Studios, partially in Chicago. Chicago
2: Studios back online, bitches! Hot (laughs) damn! What's up, motherfuckers?
1: (laughs) This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is... No, welcome, at This is episode 531. Cognitive dissonance, Cecil.
2: Yeah, and this week we're doing a, something a, like, well, so what we had recorded, Tom and I, back a while ago, gosh, this was maybe three months ago, almost three months yeah. ago, Tom, we had decided we were going to do a long-form episode. That long-form episode was going to be uh, put in sort of a, a, a bank, sort of in the archive until we needed it. Um, in case uh, in case one of us, genuinely, in case one of us got COVID was the main idea behind it. Uh, we have successfully dodged COVID up till now. And uh, we uh, also needed uh, some time this week. So we decided to break into the bank and uh, use the bank episode, the long form episode that we recorded on human trafficking and pornography. And it's really just a crazy long uh, a conversation that goes in a lot of different directions. It didn't really go in one direction.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, it it we kind of decided to talk about this in part because of the uh news that broke today. Um it's kind of everywhere, but CNN has it Ron Jeremy porn star charged with sexually assaulting four women. Yeah. Um so, you know, it's 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 a crazy it's fucking sad and shitty and depressing article. Uh Ron Jeremy, who by the way, like that guy has been fucking creepy ever since that guy has been, like, oh, ever since you could, like, look at that fucking guy.
2: I know, Has there man. ever been a world where no. you looked
1: at Ron Jeremy no. and thought, like, yeah, I'd leave him alone, around, alone <laughs> around my daughter.
2: Like, he looks for fuck. like, do you remember
1: that show? There was a show where they put a bunch of, like, celebrities... Together and like washed up like R list oh, yeah, yeah. celebrities like B-list, together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: More than B. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Down the alphabet. And Way down. Right. Down yeah, just, the
1: river from B. Yeah. However far down you go, and like sure. Ron Jeremy fucking slunk into that house. I remember that <laughs> there was some, but he gained like some 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 notoriety like in the early two thousands. Is like this like kind of the kind of the beginning of the um. Mainstreamization of pornography and yeah, like kind yeah, of the yeah. the beginning of where like um porn stars were started to see uh, be seen as kind of um kind of pop heroes pop stars sure, almost sure. like cultural yeah. Yeah, yeah. cultural yeah. icons and so you know now here we are um in the post me too era movement um and he's charged with four counts of rape forcible
2: assault and rape and it's not just that there's there's a ton of other uh people that have gone and and accused him too. So I saw that it wasn't just four that there's been I don't think any of those are going to to trial or anything, but there's been just a a laundry list of accusations against him so it's it's been one of those things that you look at from afar and you shake your head. but one of the things that we talk about in this in this episode um which we're gonna get to here in a second is the uh, the porn industry and uh, the human trafficking that goes on in it and also sort of the, uh, the, the social ramifications of the porn industry. So, uh, so we hope you enjoy it. This conversation travels in all different directions. And so we hope it, uh, it is cogent enough for people to follow. Uh, and if you have any, uh, comments, please let us know, send us a message at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. So we can talk, uh, we'll, we'll chat with you or we'll, we'll talk about some of the comments on an upcoming show. But, uh, but without further ado, let's play, uh, the tape that we recorded, uh, in the midst of uh, in the beginning of the quarantine for you. <laughs> uh, and we hope you guys have a good week. Next week, I said last week, next week is Vulgarity for Charity, not this week. Uh, so next week, look forward to Vulgarity for Charity, but we're going to play the, uh, the human trafficking piece now, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. So today... The deep dive to- topic today is going to range. So it, it the, I think the main idea is human trafficking, right? So that's the main idea, but there's so many little branches and tributaries that we can dive down into on this topic that we had a real hard time yeah. pinning it down to one type of human trafficking. So it's, human trafficking in the in the large umbrella, and we will be working our way through uh, a lot of different types of human trafficking and I think pushing back on some of the numbers that come with human trafficking because there's a lot of really weird data out there that's just inconsistent. That, you know like that's that's like a
1: hugely important part of the like the preface to this show. So like when we decided to research the topic, you hear, depending on what news you read and what articles you read, the numbers for the extent of human trafficking range, you know, as high as about 21 million people that are being trapped. Yeah, 30
2: trafficked. million. I saw 30 Did million. Did you see 30, I 30 million? 30, I saw 30 God million. God damn. Yeah, 30, 20 to 30 million was the
1: highest number I saw. And then, you know, you start diving into this, as Cecil mentioned, and you, you start looking at like, okay, well, what does that word trafficking mean? And then you, when yeah. you start poking at that, depending on who you read, there seems to be like, a tremendous amount of politization, politization, however that's fucking pronounced, on both ends of the spectrum to either inflate or deflate the number. And I was thinking about this a little bit, Cecil, because like, I guess I understand the, and I don't appreciate because I think lying is just a generally bad thing to do for any cause, but I understand and can have some level of appreciation for increasing who gets counted in human trafficking, right? That makes sense to me. If you want to bring more attention to a problem, the problem has to reach a certain size in order for people to say, holy shit, really? That's something worth paying attention to. Um, I don't necessarily understand the motivations, like the psychological motivation or political motivation to people that seem to be working the numbers intentionally backward. And there were there was some there were some articles that really seemed to be trying to work those numbers backward, and like both ends of the spectrum are problematic. Like trafficking is a poorly defined term, and then the way that we count who's trafficked is not also very well defined. But it seems to me like if it's ten million, that's a lot of fucking people. It is. Like that's just it a. That's like a vast. Insane, yeah. crazy number of people.
2: That's an immense. That's number. a huge
1: <laughs> amount. And the ten would be me just randomly taking the smaller number and cutting it in half and for the purposes it in of demonstration, yeah. right? Yeah, I didn't yeah. read anything that said it was ten. Like, yeah, you know, part part of the problem is like the the idea of human trafficking, the idea of human slavery. Like, we're I, I'm going to use the term like we're better at things now. We're like we're less overt in in terms of um like as people in terms of like how we abuse other human beings. You know, during during the African slave trade, that was an incredibly overt type of slavery, right? It was a very out in the open, a very uh, well-defined, this person is a slave. I use the word slave. They're literally in shackles. They're literally on boats being transported across the ocean as slaves and then sold at auction in these vast numbers. And All of that was protected by institutions and legislative bodies, right? Who said, like, hey, slaves are a real thing and we want slavery and we need slavery. And so, and the the way that it's done now is way higher numbers, way, way higher numbers, but like much less overt, um, but nonetheless real and nonetheless numerically significant. And that's, yeah. that's a really important part of that trafficking piece. And I think that is a huge part of why it's so hard to put your finger on it, right? Sure. Like in the Americas, it's like, well, who's a slave? I don't know, are they black? Because then they're probably a slave. Like if they're yeah. black and below the Mason-Dixon line, chances are good things are not
2: in their favor. Like it was real yeah. easily defined. Yeah. And, and one of the things that they try to do is pass it off um, in some ways to sort of mitigate that size yeah. by saying that as a ratio of population on the planet right. to slavery it's the smallest in the history of the world right so 7 billion people let's say high end 30 million enslaved people now you're looking at a tiny tiny ratio in comparison to how many people were on the planet back you know in the sure. in the times that we were using enslaved people here in the united states and That's a way to hand wave 20 million tragedies, right? That's a way to just say, okay, yeah, but that's, I mean, it's really just a disingenuous argument. Until it's zero, it's not good. it's It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable at one. Right, yeah, because, like, (laughs) if that's you, like, you would find it
1: fucking odd. If you're, like, the last fucking slave, you wouldn't be like, well— you know, there yeah. was a one in seven billion chance it was going to be me. Yeah, so it was, I just drew the I short got the,
2: straw. I got the st- very shortest straw. <laughs> <laughs> the tiniest, shortest straw. It's funny though, because
1: like nobody thinks of it in terms of like, we always think of it in terms of like putting the, when, when, when those arguments that you just made are are sort of put forward, they're put forward in a way that like, just like removes the humanity and the actuality of the personhood, you know? And like- it, it sort of suggests that, like, well, there's a certain acceptable amount of human trafficking. Yeah. There's yeah. a certain yeah. acceptable. And it's like, yeah, wait, like, just because something terrible is the best, least terrible that it's ever been, like, does not make that thing an acceptable. There's some things for which we should have a zero policy, right? Zero tolerance uh, yeah. policy. Zero tolerance, absolutely. And, and, slavery has to be one of those like if you yeah. can't fall on the side of slavery as a zero to, <laughs> no I, right like we don't have a moral argument to
2: make like we're not <laughs> we're not interested in having that one of the things that they also do is try to talk about when enslaved people are put into into bondage sometimes they're not done it's not done through coercion or force and so that feels to some people like less of someone being enslaved when it's not. Yeah. And they 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 say something in one of the articles that 20% have been unwittingly trafficked by predators through deception or coercion. That's still But 20% of 20 million is fucking 4 million people. Yeah, That's not, I mean, that's a large amount of people. Now, again, it's not a large amount in comparison to 7 billion, but 4 million people is a lot of people. If we get to the end of the coronavirus thing and 4 million people (laughs) die, that's a lot of goddamn people that
1: die. Yeah, that's a lot of people that's like, one of those is maybe you, like- yeah. Like they just, just always think of it that way. Like maybe that's you or your daughter or your buddy. Like whatever. Yeah. Like if that was on, yeah. un- if that's unacceptable, then it's just wholly unacceptable. The thing yeah. about like the coercion argument, it gets, and this is something I want. This is a huge angle to this. Is like when you when you start reading into this, especially when it comes to the sexual exploitation of of minors, um, the sexual exploitation of immigrants a huge huge part of what drives the possibility for this is a lack of social systems and a lack of social safety nets because absolutely 100% you've got you've got people and they talk about this in terms of like particularly like teenage runaways and young people um and there there are arguments and i think they're bullshit disingenuous arguments for so many reasons and we'll go into them but there are arguments that are made that like you know some of these people consensually put themselves in places where they're Becoming prostitutes, right? When it talks about sexual slavery. Sure. And it's like, well, if if the only option that somebody has is to sell themselves for sex, that is an institutional coercion. 100%. So when the only option somebody has to feed themselves, to put a roof over their head is Sexual slavery, then that is still a form of institutionalized slavery. It is just a form of institutionalized slavery that comes as a direct result of poor social structures that don't provide people a means to make a living without literally prostituting themselves. That's fucking troublesome. Like, if if that does not trouble you, if you don't live in a world where you're, if you live in a world where you look at that as a sense of like personal responsibility or personal, you know, that 17 year old girl. She made that choice on her own. Yeah, that was that was just like that 18-year-old girl, that 19-year-old girl, that was a choice that that person made like apropos of nothing. Like that is a disingenuous way to look at the world. Like that's a choice somebody made
2: as a result of the absence of better choices. Absolutely, 100%. You, you When you think about it, what would that person do if they had an opportunity to Uh, to live without doing that, right? right? If they had every opportunity to live without doing that. And and it also is a failing too, when you talk about the way uh, people get into it, they talk about the, uh, a lot of people get into it because of drug use, right? So you get into it because you're into drugs and you need to pay the, the money for drugs. If we had better programs or different ways for people to, uh, to get high, we talk about you know uh, legalizing certain drugs mm-hmm. so that they're recreationally available and there's no steep prices that you have to pay on the on the black market for them. And then you talk about programs that help people get off drugs that are a lot more accessible and a lot less religious and a lot less cold turkey with God yeah. and then suddenly you start you start you start changing some of those systems. This is a systemic problem. it's not that it's it's not that it's just a, a single person out there and that's the only data point we have. It's a genuine systemic problem if the only thing that person can do is sell their body to buy drugs or to to uh, to live out on the street well then we're doing a poor job of making sure that those people have opportunity yeah and it's like
1: what one of the one of the things I was thinking about is how, the, the issue of selling or commercializing sex, and, and I, I'm curious what you think of this. So, you know, we have this idea, and it's a it's a bullshit idea that, that, that there's an age, and it's 18, and it's a magical age. Um, and that at the age of 18, suddenly somebody becomes an adult, and virtually everything is available to them in terms of how responsible they are for their own actions, and how capable they are, and how... Um, how much access they have to the legal system. And when I say it's a bullshit idea, it's it's an inherently recognized bullshit idea. And we don't let people typically drink until they're 21. And the big part of the reasoning behind that is because we recognize that people have not reached an age of actual maturity until they reach the age of 21, and drinking carries with it certain risks, significant risks. Interestingly enough, um, if you look at car insurance, car insurance is vastly more expensive until you reach the age of 25. And it's vastly mm-hmm. more expensive until you reach the age of 25 because the actuaries have crunched the numbers. And they, they the, the data represents that really until the age of 25, people's risk behavior and their understanding of the consequences of their actions is such that like, it, you just you just look at the economic reality of what that all means it's more expensive they're going to crash more often they're going to engage in higher risk behavior high risk behaviors are more likely because people's brains aren't done forming I read this article um, relative to this that suggests that your cerebellum um, and your prefrontal cortex typically does not finish cooking until you're 25 you don't understand consequences. Your impulse control is low until about the age on average of 25. And for men, it's actually two years less. So like women mature, their brains literally mature faster than, than boys do. Yeah. But we have this bullshit made up thing of 18, which has never been based on anything data-driven. What it's been based on in part is to get people to join military service before they reach an age where they realize military service is fucking terrifying. And like, if you get people to sign up before they have, when they're physically mature but not mentally mature, they won't have a sense of their own mortality. And so that's a great time to get people to join the fucking military, right? You're sure. physically strong, you're mentally weak. Yeah. It's the same thing for prostitution. It's literally the same thing for sexual slavery. If you get people who are physically mature, but who are not emotionally and psychologically mature, they're simply easier to manipulate. So the idea that we have these like consent ages where people can engage in behaviors that all the data tells us we know they don't understand the consequences of. They can't. Their brains aren't done forming. They literally... Like, all the rest of the data around how we treat young people suggests that, like, we know young people don't understand the consequences of these behaviors. But we still allow a certain amount of commercialization of sex and sexuality and consent and consensuality at ages which don't meet the data. And that just encourages more young people to be victimized by these systems. And these are legal systems that do this. Sure.
2: Do you think, you know, I... I, I agree in principle, but I also feel like there's another factor at play here. And the other factor at play is that we are very protective of women. And that if this was guys doing this, especially when we, you know, we're talking about the porn piece later on, 18-year-old guys, I don't think either of us would raise an eyebrow. But if it's an 18-old girl, we talk about consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the consequences? The consequences uh are they are they that she's spoiled at that point? Are they that she's ruined at that point? Because I don't believe that sex ruins you. I don't believe that sexual activity hurts you. I think that one of the biggest problems is is our own prudishness. Our own societal prudishness makes it feel like there's bigger consequences at stake for sexuality than there actually are. There are definitely sexual consequences. You know, you, you, you can have a kid, you know, but the other problem is, is that, you know, we also don't talk about uh, the ways to prevent those sexual consequences, right? We keep those things away from people. We say, oh, we don't want to talk about you using condoms. We don't want to talk about you using birth control. We don't want to talk about you using abortion. We don't want to talk about any of those things, but then they all happen, and then we're stuck with a bunch of kids that we don't want. Right. So that's a real problem. But we talk when we talk about sexual consequences, we need to talk about what are the sexual consequences because a lot of times the society is the one that is enforcing sexual consequences on stuff that if we think about being sex positive, it doesn't really, there's no real consequence. What is the, what's the real problem of someone being on a sex tape? Well, what's uh, the real issue about someone being on a sex tape other than society thinks that that's a bad thing, Right. even though all of us are fucking and you can have, I mean, at, Fucking 16, you could have a walking, breathing, shitting sex tape. You just didn't get a chance to see it. It's a fucking baby, right? right? There's plenty of kids that have babies. (laughs) You have the evidence, right? Yeah. It's a fucking evidence of a sex tape. You just you just don't have the actual sex that someone can see. but societally, we look at it as if it's a some sort of huge consequence. And again, we do it by gender. We do it in the sense that it's female consequences. It's never male consequences for that. yeah. well, does that make sense? It does
1: it does. And I think like if we were to if, if we could flip a switch tomorrow, like I, I think the, I think this shit gets pretty complicated like this the, the sexual power dynamics, and like, especially American sexual power dynamics. But I mean, it's true just across the board. Like, they get real complicated real fast, for sure. Like, would it be great if like, sex and sexuality were socially recognized as just an inherently like, ethically neutral activity, as long as everybody consents? I think that that would be awesome. I think that, unfortunately, like, I don't think we'll ever live in that world. Like, I genuinely don't think that we're ever gonna live in that world. I think the consequences for sex as an activity, even recreationally, always fall um overly on women. Women are the only ones that can get pregnant. And to avoid yeah. getting pregnant, women have to take medications which have significant potential side effects. They can still get pregnant on those medications. So there's some amount of biological gatekeeping that women sure. have always had the burden yeah. of holding. Yeah. And I think yeah. we've but built
2: technology has mitigated that significantly. It has,
1: for sure. Yeah but like yeah. not without consequence because those medications are not consequence free and they're not perfect and like i think that we have built social structures and ideas about who men and women are based on that idea of biological gatekeeping and like i don't think there's a reset button that anyone's going to flip like sure. so the the social reality is that like women will all women at least i think as long as i'm alive will always bear the Largest brunt of that. I don't sexual, think that that's unreasonable. Yeah, sure. So, like, I I think about that, and it's like, yeah, man. Like, and it's also like the case that I think that the kind of sex that's that's sold and portrayed and commercialized is not the kind of sex that is typically consensually occurring between normal adults. Like, people get people get coerced into progressively more extreme activity than than would probably be the case for them to agree to if it wasn't commercialized like anything that you sell like has a tendency to amplify sure. um, so like all of that seems like genuinely problematic in the now you know and I think that there's like good solutions for it I think you can have I think you can have first of all a differentiation of age for the commercialization of sex. So you could say, like, the age of consent for relational sex is 18 or whatever it is, you know, 16, 17. It's 16.
2: Mostly in the United States, it's 16.
1: And then I think you can say, like, well, maybe we shouldn't allow the commercialization of sexual activity until a later age, until people have more opportunity to gain access to resources, education, and for their brains to be done cooking. So maybe there needs to be a different age of consent for the commercialization of sex. And it should be higher, you know, like drinking or or getting good car insurance, you know? That seems like an easy data-driven answer, you know what I mean? Like where that it acknowledges not just the social reality of the ramifications of sexual behavior and the differences that exist between men and women, but also like how our brains cook differently, you know? and 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 how like the effects of commercialization versus relational sex have different consequences, you know? Does that make sense? Does that idea make sense? The age
2: then is 25 because to that's sell when you're sex? cooked?
1: Yeah. Maybe even 21. Or I mean, like— 21. 21. I don't know what that answer is. I'm suggesting that there right. should be a different answer than— because 18, eighteen doesn't mean anything. It's literally been decided. Eighteen randomly. is
2: celebrated. Yeah, and well, I think eighteen is more culturally it's culturally celebratory. Since you're graduating high school, that's when you become a person, right. like, a, like, an, like an adult. So there's cultural significance around becoming eighteen, and some of those cultural significances happen um, when you're when when you when you are around that age, and so that's the sort of thing we think you get more independence at that age, mm-hmm. right? Um, That it's not a hundred percent random, but I get what you mean when you say it's not, there's no magical age. You can't just throw a dart and say everyone is adult at this point. Um, You know, unless you're throwing it way higher than most people will be at that, an adult at that age. Right. Right. You got to, you'd have to really hit farther along. You'd have to say 30 because there's going to be people that are, you know, or you got to say 40. Because there's probably some people that are still maturing there, at some point, and there's their some 30. Peter Pan
1: ass motherfuckers that are fucking right.
2: Yeah, hell yeah, man. Right. There's people that never grow up. Yeah, so it's it's you know, so the, you you got to do what's best. So I understand, I understand what you're getting at. Uh, I think that I think that there's that it's interesting that it's that it's also in some ways taking some earning potential away from from women. You know what I mean? Like it's taking some of that potential away. Of things that they could have done at 18 to 20, 20... Call it 21, 21, 22, whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's a possibility that they could. Um, Anyway, let's talk a little bit about... I want to talk a little bit about actual, like, people that are not in sex slavery first. Okay. So let's get back to that really quickly. So a couple of things I want to talk about specifically are um the people who uh who we watched and Tom and I watched a nova special or not a nova special a frontline special and we'll post it on this the show notes there's a there's a group of uh, in ohio a, a chicken farm where they would get people from another country that they would essentially uh illegally get them into the united states from another country put them in Terrible living conditions make them work, terrible working conditions at an age that's much younger, coercing them to think that they're going to get a better life in the United States. And then in, uh, in some countries in Africa, they take these young children and, you know, sometimes it's like a a, fr- a family friend or an uncle or something will take a child, put that child in another village where they're collecting and, and working on uh, the cocoa beans that we turn into chocolate. And they take all those those uh those they take them and put them in these almost it's not a forced labor, but it's you know, they're too young to consent to this level of activity. They're they they're, they're school age children. That's and they're not different than for like it, like do you see that as like yeah. it's, forced. No, it's, yeah. it's, right. forced. it's forced. Yeah. It's forced. It's forced in the sense that they were just sort of dropped off right. at daycare, and daycare happens to be pick chocolate right, all yeah. day, cut chocolate open out of pods, right. and separate the gooey bits from the other right. bits. And then dry them out, and that's your life. That's what you do every day. And these are long, hard, yeah. shitty hours. Chocolate is a hand—it's it's a hand—you uh, have to do it by hand. There's, not a, there's no real mechanisms for us to— have machinery that does that work. It's done by mm-hmm. human beings, and they and those people are mostly chill, Are A lot of them are children. The chocolate trade, they try to do things to try to stop that by injecting money into it and making it so that there's fair trade chocolate and things like that, but there's still plenty of chocolate on this planet that's consumed, and it was harvested by essentially slaves. These are slaves. These are enslaved people. Right. They're just enslaved by... Uh, you know they're they're too young to consent to this level of work, and the same thing is happening in the United States. And this is a large, uh, you know, it's, this isn't a small number. This is a Massive. this is a large group of stuff that we consume all the time that is produced by people that that are uh, that are not treated the same way as other workers. Right, and in a huge way.
1: And the, the sugar industry has the same problem. The sugarcane industry has, uh, although less less children, but it has very much the same problem, and it's. Part of it is like the global demand for extremely low prices and extremely yeah. high turnout of these products puts an enormous amount of downward pressure on the market, which causes people to like use whatever is cheapest. And what, is, what in the world is cheaper than exploited immigrants? We'll talk a little bit about like um, the, these people, um, the the guy who's like Shanghai'd onto a fishing boat in Thailand. Like we read an article from The Atlantic about that guy. Yeah. The, yeah. the cocoa industry, the sugar industry does it. The The cobalt industry does it to mine shit for your cell phone. Like, yeah. it's, like, part of the problem of, like, dem- the the ever-growing demand for ever-cheaper products that are always at your fingertips is, like, it just necessarily creates this economy, like, this this exploitative economy. And, like... That is 100% a form of slavery. Like if, if if you have no other choice, if you're born into some kind of uh, labor bondage, if the only option in your community, in your uh, town, in your life, if the only option for you to survive and it's a subsistence bullshit living is to work these dreadful hours and these dreadful jobs, that's effectively slavery. That is like, if you yeah, have right. no other fucking option, yeah, like, right. it's slavery. And, like, yeah. that's something, like, that often isn't considered as slavery. Like, especially when, like, migrants do it, especially when, like, sure, grown-ass sure. people. But there are so many communities and so many industries where a dearth of options and a complete lack of social systems and a... Total inability for exploited workers to reach into a legal system to complain about their rights, to complain about abuses, to complain about not being paid—like, there, there—that is still, it's a form of institutionalized
2: slavery when the institutions protect those economic structures. In in the United States, especially in this uh, in this PBS special that we watched, that that chicken farm looked like a hellish, oh my god, hellish yeah. working condition. Yep. hundred plus degrees inside of there, smells like a million chickens packed into a cage because it's essentially a million chickens packed into, packed into a cage. A cage. <laughs> and they have to go through and literally remove the dead birds. Their job is to go through because the living conditions are so bad, chickens can't even live in it. <laughs> just, it's so and terrible. They, and they go through and just remove the dead birds and it's so you can have eggs at... A dollar again, a dozen. Right. It's so you can pay, and I—I I don't know what eggs are cost. <laughs> in the sense that I always buy my eggs are always so expensive. I always buy the ones of the chickens. I make it feel like the chickens run free and they have sunlight on their back. And <laughs> you know, their name is Colin, and you know, <laughs> like I get a chicken of the month picture. Those types of things. That's what. I, th- those are the types of eggs I buy. But it's I get that you know that there's a lot cheaper eggs, and people buy those eggs because. You know, because we don't pay people living wage in this country, so of course they're going to buy you know the cheapest eggs out there. Yeah. And so, you know, I understand that you know they want they want cheap eggs because we don't pay people enough in this country. Period. But uh, but we we also have those people live a, a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible life, and they're 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 lied to before they they leave about how they're going to go to school mm-hmm. here and how they're going to, yep. you know, they're going to have a better life here. And then they show up here and they're, you know, on occasion, one of them was going to school, but he was falling asleep in class because he was working 14-hour days outside of school. It was just an un- unreal level of work he had to do. It's, and it's and like a huge number
1: of those people are like, they're never going to complain about those working conditions. They're never going to like reach into the legal system and say like, uh, that's not Okay. Because like they're afraid of being deported. They're they're afraid of like, yeah, there's a huge amount of like consequence. We we've actually built systems that encourage slaves not to
2: raise their hand and say, I'm a slave. Like yeah. across yeah. specifically with with prostitution, too. Yeah. 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 Because it's it's an illegal activity. And so if it's an illegal activity, and if you're someone from another country who has now you're 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 committing an illegal activity, you're also not legally here. Right you have two strikes against you going into the into the uh, police office and saying i'm being exploited right so like when the police show up
1: like and there was there was a couple of articles that mentioned this like so when the police show up to bust one of these like like slavery rings the slaves themselves are trying to hide from the people that are there to protect yes. them yes. and like like it it's the hidden problem of using like like using like using immigrants And using young people who don't understand their rights and are, you know, they don't understand like what's being asked of them and what they can and can't do. And they think their family's gonna get deported if they're caught. And like, so you put all the consequences for being a slave on the fucking slave. And that's like, and then all of those systems that should be there to protect these people don't work because the people who are subjugated to this level of slavery feel like the system itself will simply victimize them differently than they're currently being victimized. And it's like, it's kind of the devil you know problem. Sure. You know? Sure. Like, so with respect to like prostitution and and sexual exploitation and sexual slavery, like there were a number of articles that we read that that really suggested very strongly, I think, and and certainly suggested to me that like one of the solutions to this problem is to legalize prostitution itself. And that when they did it in New South Wales, um, in Australia, and when they did it in New Zealand, they found that the incidence for, uh, uh, human sexual trafficking plummeted in, in, in New Zealand to zero yeah. to like nothing. Yeah. And then in New South Wales, um, Australia to virtually nothing. And right. part of that, and there, and there seems to be a number of reasons for that, but like, one of the reasons for that is, like, as soon as you pull something out of the black market, you collapse the black market economy for it. That's, sure. a bi- that's a big part of it. And the other thing that you do is you empower the people who would like to engage in sex work. You empower them to then tap into legal systems that protect them. The same yeah. legal systems that would protect a factory worker from being abused or sure. that would protect, you know, an office worker from getting beaten up on yeah. the job. Those things don't protect you if the thing that you're doing when you get abused and beaten up and pimped out, they don't right. protect you when the activity that underlies all of that is illegal, right? You have to yeah. go in and say, like, it's, it's kind of like the drug problem. It's like if you got a beef with somebody because they stole your shit, but your shit was illegal, the likelihood is that you're going to settle that beef on the street instead yeah. of in the courts because you can't take somebody to court and be like, he stole my drugs. Those yep. were my drugs,
2: Ask yourself this, would you rather work? Uh, these are for people who watch The Wire. Would you rather work for Stringer Bell or a dispensary? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Ask yourself yeah. that. Because the, the, to be honest, I don't want to work for Stringer Bell. You come up to Stringer Bell and say, yeah, sorry, somebody took my take. You get shot in the face, okay? <laughs> if I come in, if I go in and say, yeah, I accidentally spilled a bunch of stuff in the back room and I ruined a bunch of gummies, I don't get shot in the face no, at the right. dispensary. Yeah, you get fired. It doesn't happen, That's it. right? Yeah, Yeah. so suddenly you take out a level of, you add just have workplace protections, period, right. Right? right? You just have workplace protections and that changes the entire game. You have a minimum wage that you can get. get a minimum right?
1: Age, for yeah, God's sake. Exactly. You know, it yeah. doesn't employ minors like, well, yeah. well McDonald's doesn't employ 10 year olds, right? Yeah. Like right. they follow the law because there's no reason for them not to. There's no yeah. There's no inherent incentive for them to hire underage people to, to fucking make French fries, right? And like there would be a significantly smaller incentive. Right now, all the incentives are to exploit young people, right? Because young people are easier to manipulate. They're both psychologically and frankly, physically easier to manipulate. And they're easier to financially manipulate because as soon as you remove a young young person from their home and from their social base, they now have no other resources. Young people don't even know how to tap into other resources. So young people are a great source for sexual exploitation because they're just simply easier to manipulate. That's, I mean, like, but McDonald's doesn't have to do that, right? McDonald's needs yeah. people to flip fries or make fries or whatever. They don't need it to be young people because there is a workforce willing to do this work that you don't have to manipulate horrifyingly into it. Yeah. It's a, it's a game changing. And, and the data suggests that it's game changing. The data suggests that in places that, that give sex workers workplace protections, that those people, that the incidence of sexual exploitation and human sexual trafficking drops dramatically. I also think that people would prefer to purchase things legally when possible. Yeah. You know, but as soon as as somebody's pushed into doing something illegal,
2: it's like, well, if I'm doing something illegal... There's so many other things that yeah, right? it opens the door. It's, it's it's a gateway. Yeah, you know. There's there's if I'm already doing something illegal, why don't I do this other thing that's also illegal that's tangentially related to? Right. There's just no reason not to. You know. What I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be doing I, I'm gonna be doing this X. I I should do why? You know, whatever. I do want to talk. I want to shift just for a second, and we can always come back to this. But I want to I want to talk about that article that you're talking about because in that article they say no evidence of recent tracking of female sex workers is marked. Uh, is in marked contrast to the 1990s when con- when contracted women from Thailand and, uh, were common in Sydney, right? So that's what it said is we're common in Sydney. But in that same article, it says another common claim is that there's 100,000 to 300,000 children locked in sex slavery in the United States. That number is a distortion of a figure from a 2001 study, uh, which estimated that the number of children, adolescents, and youth At risk of sexual exploitation, sex trafficking were basically, that's the number of people that were at risk of sexual exploitation. Sex trafficking was the least prevalent form of exploitation in their definition. Uh, Other forms included stripping, consensual, homosexual relations, and merely viewing porn. And so that's why that number was so inflated. And then it says, Estes himself estimated the number of legal minors abducted, into sex slavery was very small. We're talking about a few hundred people. But yet on the uh, earlier in that article they say it was common. Yeah. Right? So they say it's common in one point and then they say it's not at the other. And so it's it, like it is really hard to figure out what the numbers are here. Right. It is genuinely difficult to figure out whether or not it's a, it's 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 a huge issue or not. Now, it's definitely an issue. It's definitely something that happens. It's not that it's it doesn't happen. And as we said earlier, there should be a fucking zero tolerance policy on people being abducted and raped. That's a, that's the easiest <laughs> zero tolerance policy. I know the I know the Catholic Church still hasn't gotten this down right, but there should definitely be a zero tolerance policy. But finding actual numbers on this is really difficult to find out whether or not it's it's something that is a, a big thing or not. And one of the one of the things that was really interesting was. There's a sort of reaching across the aisle hand-holding because on the one side you have sort of a democratic group of people, a left-leaning group of people that want to help protect women, right? So that's their, their idea is there's women that are being exploited I want to help protect women. And on the other side of the aisle, you have the Christian right who's anti-prostitution, anti-sex. And they're reaching across the aisle to create some laws that, that wind up Hurting sex workers right. because uh, and and Democrats are jumping on board because they want to try to ha- help people that are being exploited and so there's a weird sort of tidy bull thing going on here where people that maybe sh- wouldn't be normally working together are working together and some of those laws might actually be harmful to the people who are in the sex work in in sex trade. Well, and they're not looking at like it's it, it, I think in
1: large part it's because um, it's not research driven. Like you yeah. know, like that, it's ideal like that stuff that you're just mentioning about the politics piece, it's ideologically driven. And like going through and doing the reading for this, like a lot of the numbers, like you say, like a lot of the numbers are muddy. And part of the reason that they're muddy is because different groups define differently what like if if the standard is that you have to be abducted and raped. Like, that's, like, I would say, like, that's probably a pretty low number. If the standard is, like, a 14-year-old runaway who gets coerced into sexual activity by a pimp, like, yeah, that's, that's going to be a much higher number, but that's still a child, you know? Yeah. Like, and that person wasn't necessarily abducted in the sense of, like, snatch and grab, right? Sure. But, like... We're just—we're not—like, none of the numbers are real consistent about, like, how these terms are defined. And then yeah. the ideology—the the ideological pieces, like you said, that surround this are not driven by the research. They're not—because dri- the research is shoddy, and the research is all over the place, and the terms are poorly defined. But I think what we do see is, like, in places where you legalize prostitution and you have more sex-positive cultures— you have more sex positive outcomes you have less exploitation of other people and like the united states is kind of this like boiling cesspool of like sex negativity and or inconsistent sex positivity maybe another way to say it like there are there are parts of this country that seem to be very sex positive and there are other parts of this country that are super fucking sex negative like there's still parts of the country that like We've covered on the show recently where they're just like would you want to chew this chewing gum or yeah, fucking
2: hawkalugi yeah, yeah. and drink it from a cup or whatever everyone That's everyone, everyone sex in this is. room yeah <laughs> everyone in this room come on this paper I'm going to make this girl eat it right. you know what I mean like it's like and it's essentially what they're saying in in the high school is like yeah Basically, women are cum dumpsters. That's what women are. They're giant cum dumpsters. Stay away from them. Once cum goes in there, it never comes out. Every (laughs) time. (laughs) (laughs) She's a roach motel for cum. That's what she is. (laughs) It's
1: so fucking, it's so fucking, and like, you know, that's part of that, like we talked about earlier, like that's part of that baked in social
2: misogyny. Yeah, but America like, is basically a big insult. Right. Like America, yeah. America has weird yeah. insult-like thoughts about women all the time. Yeah, women and like
1: sexuality is like, yeah. we're the worst about that stuff. Yeah. Just the absolute like
2: stomach churningly worst about Absolutely. all of that shit. Absolutely. You know, it's, what's interesting though is that there's almost like a titillation paradox, right? Because on some levels, you want to try to keep sex as a taboo-ish sort of thing so that you're titillated by it. Right. And then, but the more you do, the less titillation there is. And so it's less, you sell it less. And so you want to keep it. So there's this weird paradox that we try to fill because I, I would imagine if you're somebody who's trying to sell sex, it's not good for your industry. It might not be great for you if sex becomes more positive. You know what I mean? Do you do you understand what I mean? Like if sex becomes se- if sex positive stuff becomes positive, then there's some uh there's 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 less of a... it's it's not less of a demand, but there's there's less titillation and so then you have a a a culture that is less titillated by sex and therefore your product isn't as as worthwhile as it was. Do you understand what I mean? Does that make sense? I I do. I, I you know like I I don't know because like
1: part of part of like part of the thing about sex and like selling sex is like it's baked into our biology as much as like we're just going to get horny. Like people are just yeah, going to. Right, like, right, right. Like, yeah. so like there's like, it's the perfect product in demand terms. Like it's just like. Sure. Somebody's always want, somebody always wants that. Like there is You're always right. going right. to be an ask on that. You're absolutely side. right. You're absolutely right. But like where I where I think that like America gets weird on the titillation scale is like we, we want to be titillated but we vilify those who titillate us. Yep. And like that, that social poison is problematic. Like that social poison is, is problematic. And I think that's going to be generationally difficult to fix. Like that is just so baked into sure. like the um uh Puritan culture. Yeah, we wanna slip it, we wanna shame. Absolutely. Her. That's what we want. We, we want both of yeah. those things. The thing is, like, we want. Like, uh, even, and it's it's true of, like, we want, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, they they want uh, sex work to be legitimized, but they don't want their wife or daughter to be a sex worker. And so, like, if you don't want it, if you don't want your wife or daughter to do it, then, like, there is still a stigma attached to that work, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And I think that gets into the, the reality that, like, sex is a more complicated interchange. Because... It's not like, like I've seen that analogy before. It's like, well, you know, a construction worker goes out and sells his body. And like a woman goes and says, what's the difference, you know, between a prostitute and a construction worker? And I just think that's like kind of a bullshit reductionist argument that denies that sex is more than just a physical act that people engage in. Sex can be just a physical act, but it can also be much more than a physical act. And there's a reason why um, people get upset when other people cheat on them. It's baked into like the language around like love and the language around romance, around fidelity and around like loyalty to your spouse. And like it like sex can have like a deep emotional connection. And then it can also not. It can also not, you know? Yeah. And so but because it's so complicated, because it it weaves so much together personally and socially and religiously, like, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a fair argument on the other side to be like, well, it's the same as a construction worker, you know? Like, and some people don't want to work construction, and they have a bad day at work, and they get hurt sometimes at work. Because I've seen this argument. And it's that, how is that different than a prostitute, you know, who gets hurt at work and doesn't like her job, but, you know, everyone's got to make a living? And it's different because of all the things I just said. Because sex is inherently a much more sure. complicated Sure. human interaction.
2: I don't want to throw that analogy 100% out because I think that, you know, like there's sometimes when you talk about people leaving a job, right? Say, say you, you started something, you did something and then you left it. The same thing could be true for anything you didn't like, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, a sex worker could get into sex work And then not like the sex work and then leave the sex work. Oh, for sure. That doesn't you know what I mean? Like, like, and and I think about I think when I think about that, I think about the deadliest catch, right? That move that show (laughs) the deadliest catch. (laughs) Right. Those fucking guys have the shittiest job on earth, but there's people clamoring to go up there and do it. They want to challenge themselves, they want to work these eight, 10-hour days, they want to show how tough they are, whatever it is, whatever brain thing that you got going on to do this. And they hire. 18 year olds to go out and do that work. But there's a lot of people who fucking wash out of the deadliest catch. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who are like, fuck this shit. And I imagine porn and sex work is the same thing. There's a lot of people that see, you know, those people on TV or whatever and the deadliest catch and think, I wanna do that. And then they show up and they're like, oh, I gotta lift fucking 600 pound crab pots all day. Hard pass. Right. Same thing when it comes to, to porn. You know, Oh, it looks glamorous. It looks nice. Cause they did an edited version. They didn't show you, you know, blood shitting on the toilet after you had sex. <laughs> right. So there's a, there's a definite. I think there's, there are some correlations there where you can look at it and say, yeah, you know, sometimes they glamor things up and it looks like it's going to be a lot more glamorous than it is. And it kind of sucks. And you know, that that's why people leave it. But I, I understand your point a hundred percent you're like, the sex is a different thing. It's a different animal. It's right. not just labor, right? It can be just labor, but it's not always just labor. And uh, Ideas we have around it are hundred. I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, you 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 see. uh, I don't. I certainly wouldn't want my wife to be a sex worker, right? Right. I wouldn't want my wife to be a sex worker. But my wife and I, we have a promise, right? We made a promise. We did a thing where we made a promise if I was coming into that relationship and I knew she was a sex worker from the start, that promise may be very, very different. Sure, right. I'm coming at it. I'm coming at it from a guy who's been in a monogamous relationship for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what that looks like for somebody who isn't in a monogamous relationship. I don't know what it's like to be in a polyamorous relationship. That may change things very differently and change things very drastically. And, you know, so I think that there are, you know, when we talk about being sex positive, I think we also talk about being relationship positive too. And that should ch- that would change our culture too, to be more open to polyamorous relationships, to be more open to people that have well, relationships that aren't traditional monogamy. Because because the you thinking about that about your daughter, right, is also Imposing your relationship with who you have it sure. on your daughter. Right. Oh, absolutely.
1: Like, like don't don't mistake. So, I, I just want to be clear. Like, I'm saying these are social realities, not like I get. Yeah, it. I'm I know.
2: Not, I'm not accusing you of anything. I know. I'm just so. Yeah. I just want to yeah. make that clear for yeah. the audience, so because yeah. I know yeah, sometimes sure. that shit yeah. can
1: get confused. Like, yeah. So, I think that there's like, like there's there's a necessity to acknowledge social realities, and like one of the things like w- we watched this uh, Netflix show, Hot Girls Wanted. Right. And like there was a scene in it that that was kind of that 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 demonstrates the social realities of the ramifications of commercializing for video pornography, at especially at a young age, where people like so so these girls at the beginning of the movie, like they're they're in the car and like, oh, we're gonna be famous. This is gonna be great. And they've got this idea sure. of how things are gonna work. And then fast forward a very short amount of time, a couple of months, and the one girl is is dating this guy and she's at a party. And everybody has figured out that she's all over porn websites. And then they're like, oh, let's put it on the TV for everybody to watch right now. And she's standing there next to her guy and she's humiliated and he's sure. humiliated. And he is. Yeah. And there's there is a permanence to that, that she can never escape. Like there's a permanence to her activity that she picked at an age where her brain is still forming how she makes decisions. And there is a permanence and there's a record of that. And that, that's troublesome. You know, that's that's a troublesome part of that industry is like forever that could happen, you know? And she felt obviously very embarrassed and ashamed and he felt obviously very embarrassed and ashamed. And that is inescapable now forever. Like that's just a forever, it's like, it's like getting a tattoo on your face. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't escape it
2: no matter what from now on. Well, that's a good, that's a good analogy though. Like at what age should we allow people to get tattoos on their face then? You know, I, I don't think it should be, I don't know, I
1: don't know that maybe, maybe it should be considered. Maybe it should be thought about differently. You know, maybe, maybe if the reality is that like, we are not in control of, of how, of our, if we don't have good impulse control, like if we, and we know these, like then maybe like certain things which are permanent should not be, Either socially legal or actually legal until a much later age. You know, dangerous jobs. Yeah, very maybe. dangerous I, jobs. You know, I was thinking about this in relation. Yeah, I, I think you know, in relation to the military specifically, right? Like, there's a reason we. You can sign up for the military. I looked this up this morning. You can sign up for the military, and this is funny. At 17, if you have parental consent, and when I read that, I laughed. <laughs> With parental consent, your parents—so you're too young to make a choice yeah. that has oh, it's mortal ridiculous. consequences. It's ridiculous. But your parents are allowed to make a mortal consequence choice for you? Like, that's insane. Like, that doesn't jive with, like, what we know. It doesn't jive with the research, you know? Sure. And, like, it, it seems to me that, like, if we're going to be good skeptics, we should look at the research. And we should be driven by what
2: research says about who we are as people. But I also think, too, if we're going to be skeptics, let's try to make sure that we're skeptics across the board and not just for sex, right? So, like, like if we're talking—because I think that there is something in us that is that prudishness that is society-driven that makes us feel like that sex—that somehow that girl should feel shamed for having sex on camera— mm-hmm that somehow there should be something underlying in that that makes us feel like that's a that's a shameful thing she did whereas i don't think it's a shameful thing she did she had sex on camera that she chose to have sex on camera she was a willing participant at an age where everyone i mean age of consent in this country is mostly 16 it's it's so it's 2 years after that age that we consider you know sexual consent it's 2 years after that And I feel like she was a, she was a a person who went into that at, at the, I I understand, I totally understand your, your points where you're saying, you know, she doesn't understand the ramifications of her, of maybe she doesn't, maybe she doesn't understand the ramifications, but she doesn't understand the ramifications in a sense that we are, that those ramifications are there because of, because society thinks that that's a bad thing that she did. Right. And that's something that I think that really needs to be the, the one major thing is that shows that it's systemic, is that all these things de- are dug deep into our society, that somehow she should be shamed and her boyfriend should be shamed because that happened to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think like
1: the, the the prudishness and the like puritanical roots of this country and the evangelical Christian roots of this country and like all of that is a goddamn sexual poison. Like it's a goddamn sexual social poison that like makes all of these problems so much worse sure. because the the social ramifications really are a big part of the yeah. problem. Like the, like, like are there, is there a potential for like physical ramifications and personal emotional sure. toll? Absolutely. But like this is America and there's a certain level of like personal freedom that we're just like, that's that's also baked into what we accept and like, like value yeah. just as a, as a nation. Yeah. The problem is that like, like you're saying when it comes to sex and sexuality, like we're fucking horrifyingly inconsistent. Yeah. Bit, you know? And like we, we sex shame women in ways that are absolutely exclusive to women.
2: And a hundred percent in that scene, flip the genders. Flip the genders in that scene. That dude's a fucking hero. That dude's a fucking hero. He's getting high-fived from everybody at that college party. It's the fucking... They would put it on the TV. They would put it on the TV.
1: Let's talk about that for a second. Because, like, that's that toxic masculinity shit that's also part of the fucking problem. Absolutely. And, like, I, I do want to point out that, like, if we're being... If we're genuinely, like, looking at, like, research and we're saying, like, men's brains develop two years younger than women... And if we're saying that, like, two years old, not okay. Hmm? Two years later, two years later. Yeah, did yeah. I say it wrong? You said younger, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, like, if we're looking at that, we're saying that, like, men are men are just inherently less intellectually and cognitively mature than women. Like, yeah, we don't we don't do the work to protect them either. You know, like they also don't understand. It's like there's a sense that because like. There's a sense that because men tend to be the sexual aggressors, that there are no ramifications, right? And like that is just not true. And like all the same, like many of the not all, but many of the same logics prevail. And like we're like we should not we should not have a culture that celebrates um, men for sexual conquest, right? Because when you celebrate men for sexual conquest in that way, like, we're denying the the intellectual and cognitive reality and the emotional repercussions. We're saying, like, men men are encouraged then to have sex in greater amounts than they may be emotionally or psychologically equipped to
2: handle. Yeah, it's not almost, sometimes it's almost not encouraged. It is, it is required. You right. know, it's not just encouraged. It is, it's almost as if you're less of a man if you didn't do those things, right? Right. And so... And so you know like like someone who who graduates from high school meets one person has sex with them and 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 you know they're in a relationship and they, they he dies having sex with one person that guy's inherently less of a man than Gene Simmons who fucked 100,000 women. Right. Well, like why is the 40-year-old virgin a comedy? Yeah, 40-year-old virgin is a comedy because it's about a guy who
1: doesn't have sex until he's like 40 sure. years old. how many how many movies, how many teen movies have you seen where the focus of the teen movie is for the guy to go out and find somebody to have sure. Sex. the sure thing like comes to mind but there's like sure. a million of that trope that trope is baked into sure. so, like in into our social expectations absolutely and absolutely and it's in, it's in full like denial of the reality of like how we mature sure like we don't mature that way sure like and that all that shit is like deeply fucking problematic like all of that all of that shit like If you want to, like, have a culture that, like, celebrates toxic masculinity, a really good place is to start when people are real young and forming their ideas about sex, sexuality, and gender relationships and encouraging that, like, hero worship of the guy who bangs a bunch of chicks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You want to make sure that, like, we always have a shitty toxic masculinity culture that subjugates women and shames them for sexuality? like. That's a place to look at it. That's a place to look at the problem
2: and begin like looking at solutions. Sure. I want to talk a little bit about uh, pornography here because we want to talk about Pornhub as uh, a, a, and this is again, is, is, is sort of reaching into some other things that we've talked about on the show before that, uh, that content conveyors and not producers are not uh responsible for the things that are posted. Right. And so Pornhub is uh, there's several uh pieces that we found that talk about Pornhub uh being a place where you can find rape, you can find there's 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 videos that have been taken off of there. There's been people who've been sued because of uh because of the and their the company's been sued that they did this the, right. the porn under because they were coercing and forcing women to have sex. So there's the porn industry is not um uh, completely innocent here, no. and and the porn, uh, the places where you consume that porn, like Pornhub, also not completely innocent. Yeah, well, like
1: you know, one of the one of the problems with content that goes to these hub sites, these 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 tube sites, is like there is a complete abdication of responsibility by the site holder as to the content of the site. So you know, hey, we don't produce the content; we're just the house for the content, and. Because pornography deals with sex and sexuality, it's inherently different than something like YouTube, right? So you can post material on Pornhub, and and Pornhub has had instances where people have had real rape videos posted, like their actual traumatic fucking rape video posted on fucking Pornhub. There have been... Uh, underage people whose porn videos have been posted on Pornhub because there's no real substantive vetting process that Pornhub uses to make sure that what you see and what they make money on, right? Every time you log on, they're making money. Every time you look at yeah, Pornhub, ads. Yeah. that's it. Like, that's, like, they're, you go on there and they're like, they're getting click-through. Yeah, that's ads. how they're monetized. Yeah. So, like, it's not just like, it's not like you go to that site And like, oh, as long as I steer clear of this certain kind of objectionable material, then I'm fine. It's not, that's just not the case because the site is inherently problematic because it doesn't vet the material that goes on the site. And we know that some of the material on the site is rape. That is just, that's just a true thing. There is at least, and Pornhub has not been quick to respond and they are not easy to contact and they don't have a good system for making sure this doesn't happen. And they don't have a good system for making sure that if it happens, it doesn't ever happen again. So like videos can get posted multiple times by multiple different accounts. Like, and that's that abdication of responsibility. And it comes back in part to the idea that content should be free. When in fact, no content is free. The price that we pay for content is maybe not a transactional cost, a one-to-one, I bought this, you gave me that model. But nonetheless, like that content is being produced as cheaply as possible in order to get as many clicks on that site as possible. And all of that drives the exploitation of, of people, of minors, of women, of people with low options, in order to produce what feels like free pornography, but which is not in any way free, and which we know contributes to the exploitation of people. Um, That should be entirely an unacceptable
2: proposition for us. Well, it's interesting that YouTube can somehow keep murder videos off of YouTube. Right. Right? I think Pornhub probably does the same thing, right? I'm sure that there's got to be somebody out there who uploaded a murder video or whatever. You know, they didn't commit the murder, but they had the video. They found the video. They put it up there. You know, there's, there's there's ways in which communities can come together and flag things to get them taken down. The problem with with porn is, is that sometimes some of those things are the kink, right? So the rape thing might be a kink. Right. And so you don't know whether that person is actually forced or not. You don't know it. So if it's a rape video— you don't know whether or not that person was actually raped or not. You presume they weren't in the sense that it's all just for the camera, right? It's all just a play for the camera. Right. We, you know, we watch, you You watch all kinds of movies in the, war, in the regular world with murder in them, right? I watched Dexter cut a guy apart while he's in saran wrapped to a table. You know what I mean? Right. That never really happened. That didn't really happen. We do this all the time in film. And so the same thing can happen here in pornography. It's just very difficult to, uh, to decide whether that thing is. And so in some ways, I'm sympathetic to the idea that it might be hard to do. It's not an easy, simple thing to do because, one, you don't have the community flagging pr- process that you would normally have. And you can't create an algorithm that can just pluck these things no, out, right? It, would, right? it would require some sort of thing on their end to do it. And yeah. so it's a, it's a sticky situation. It's not as easy as <laughs> it's literally it's not as easy as 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 you would think to just sort of wave your hand and say this can happen. But I think it's the responsibility of that company to try to make it as minimal as possible. In, a, in a, one of these articles we read, this woman sent a message multiple times saying, I have been raped. It is on your site. Please take it down. And they said no a bunch of times until she pretended she was a lawyer. Yep. And then they were like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess we'll take it down. Now, you went through the trouble of contacting a lawyer, even though she didn't. She just pretended she was a lawyer.
1: You know, the, the, the problem there is like at that point, so much damage has already been done. That video sure. could be- downloaded. It's now yeah. shared. It's saved. It's, just, it's fucking and, yeah. out in the world. Like Six should, months yeah, for it, crying out loud. How many, how many, and every time that video is viewed, that person is victimized in a different way. Again, again. It's, it's horrifying. Yes. It's, it's absolutely unacceptable. Like one instance of that is a horror. And it's like, what's the trade-off? When I think about this, I think like, what's the trade-off? Like the trade-off is like some people are being horrifyingly sexually abused and then re-victimized by a fucking tube site in order to make money. Yes. And on the other side is, you get to look at Pornhub for what feels like free. That's the trade. And that is an unacceptable trade. That should, for all of us, be an unacceptable trade. The thing is, like, as long as a site doesn't create the content and then does not have a vetting process for every piece of content— When it relates to sexual activity, you have no way to guarantee consent. You just cannot do it. And like the trade-off is not worth it. Like the trade-off is like, well, I want free porn. That's what I that's what you get out of something like Pornhub, is you get quasi-free porn, right? But like you can just buy ethical pornography. That's the other option. The the other option is to consume pornography that you purchase and that you have vetted that is created in an ethical way. That's like, that's just always a better option. The other option is like, yeah, well, you know, I don't care that a certain amount of my ad click view revenue goes toward an unvetted site that doesn't respond to claims of women to be sexually exploited. Like you you have to acknowledge that reality because like these tube sites are inherently insecure platforms. And they're inherently platforms that abdicate responsibility for their content. And even if the community can flag and take things down, by the time it's flagged, it's been viewed. Sure. It's been viewed like,
2: several times, yeah.
1: How terrible would I—I I mean, like, I would feel like a goddamn monster if I viewed child pornography by act. Sure. Right. And there's a way to make sure that never happens. And the way to make sure that never happens is to look at the special circumstance of sex and sexuality, recognize that it's different than other commodities that we— purchase and make sure that you purchase it ethically the same way that you would something that has a history of, of exploitation
2: like sure. chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would, you would, you would, you know, what you want is, is fair trade pornography. That's yeah. what you want. Yeah. yeah. You want free something range, that is, cage free, free, exactly. fair trade. <laughs> Although uh, let's not go cage free. Okay. I like cages uh, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> cock cage, not a bad thing. Um, uh. If you're interested in a cock cage, you can go to adamandeve.com. I don't know that they sell cock cages. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that I want to talk about, though, too, is, which is hilarious, is that when I looked up ethical porn, <laughs> what came up is when uh, the porn sites that also where women get off <laughs> like like yeah. the thing is is that when a woman is also happy in the porn production suddenly it's ethical and then what that shows you is is the amount of porn that literally objectifies a hundred percent objectifies <laughs> women and then there's the the tiny sliver of porn out there that is like oh no women are people too and they get off as well and we right. should probably you know have porn that does t- and so the there's there's gonna be two sites that will include two two articles that we'll include on this week's show notes that list, uh, several options and they may overlap. I don't know, but they list several options of places that you can go and get that kind of pornography that you want. That kind of, uh, that kind of ethical sort of pornography that is, you know, sourced in a way that is not going to hurt people. Yeah. When it seems like just in general, generally speaking,
1: like if we're going to allow for the commodification of sex. And I think that like, as a society with the, um, like the, the, the heyday that sort of pornography has reached, like the broad social acceptance of porn and pornography in our culture, if we're going to allow for a certain amount of commodification of sex, we need to make sure that like, we properly pay good actors, literally good actors. Sure.
2: They should be a, a screen actor skilled for pornography. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. If there isn't, there should be, right? Yeah. Where where you, you can't just you know you you can't just go and get a, a job there. You have to go through an, a, a giant process to get a, a card that puts you in a union that they they vet you seriously so you're not a, another Tracy Lords where you're doing porn at 16 or whatever, right. you know, so they vet you, they if they figure out who you are, they make sure that you're 100% willing to be doing this work, you know, and then and then you get jobs through that union or through yeah. your agent who works with that union. And so there's not a chance that, you know, but that but what does that do though? And I and I don't I don't know the answer to this. What does that do for all the people out there that want to do the amateur thing that get off on showing other people that their their sex and sexuality. You know what I mean? Where does that go? Where do you, where are you able to put that sort of thing? And how do you how do you then now police that to make sure that that isn't some of that bad stuff that we've been talking about?
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't I have I have no answer for that at all, and that's a, that's a tough question, right? Like, because there right. are people that want to film themselves having They're, sex, yeah, and then they want to put that out into the world because that's part of their that's part of their kink, right? Like, sure. and I like I totally recognize that reality. I guess like, although I don't have the answer for that, I think like, like until we figure that out, the trade off is like to do the least amount of harm possible. Sure, and yeah. if somebody else doesn't get. The same sexual gratification. At least nobody was raped, or like nobody was like sexually exploited. Like let's, yeah. you know, like there's a certain amount of like
2: unacceptable damages. Right. But there's a the problem though is when you push that sort of thing away and you make it something that is less available, then those those things like we were talking about earlier. Now, oh yeah, well I'm breaking the rules by putting this online, so I might as well do it with a kid too. You know what I mean? So you're you're opening up that sort of illegality of it. And now the illegality can then branch off into other things that are illegal. So when you and, and we found that more and more on, on almost everything that we looked at, the more that this is pushed underground and the more that we, we repress these things, the more chance it has of exploiting someone. Does that make sense? It does. I think I think part of the answer
1: though is consumer driven. You know what I mean? So what I what I mean by that is that the vast majority of consumers that consume pornography if they move to ethical consumption of pornography it will increase the market for ethical pornography and decrease the market for unethical pornography sure part of the problem is that like we have a sense that everything online should be free and so and that includes no, yeah. Yeah, 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 access yeah. Sure. to porn so it's not a law thing as far as it my 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 thinking would be like Let's change consumer attitudes. Let's make people aware. Sure. Because like what I really think is that most people would not want to consume pornography sold to them by an actor that is indifferent to the exploitation of women. Absolutely. I think that sure. most people don't want to do that. Yeah. So, given that most people don't want to behave unethically, I think that you just you change the consumer marketplace. And you change the consumer marketplace by saying, look, if we're going to commodify people's sexuality, we should compensate them fairly for it. And you can't do that in a marketplace where the standard is free. When the standard is free, it pushes the price down. And when you push prices down, you have to get people to do more for less. That's true of like cocoa. That's true of like sugar cane. And that's true of the sexuality of other human beings.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, what's, there's an interesting balance there because we've done two citation needed shows about porn statistics. Yeah. And both of those high on the list was amateur. Right. High on the list is people want to see the bad camera, bad angles, normal person having sex over the porn star. And so when you start talking about how people are being paid you're talking about porn porn stars being paid you're you're removing that amateur thing so this is a, that's a complicated idea it sure because it, is. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't go for what the market wants yeah. the market doesn't want uh you know the the hottest porn star 100% in hd makeup getting you know most of the time right. what they want is the the average person with a fucking potato camera Getting banged in a wherever, you yeah. know what I mean. Like so, there's a there is a market thing that's happening that's very complicated. You and know it for sure.
1: But like, you could make Blair Witch the porn. You know what I mean. Like a production studio can make an amateur view amateur looking movie, and satisfy that market need because absolutely. it would look amateur. Sure. But then to your point about like all the actors would be screen actor. You know they would be like yeah. paid and compensated and safe and like. Of legal age and like understand, you know what I mean. Like, so you can, I think you can meet that demand the same way that you meet the demand for rape videos that don't involve rape. Yeah, you, you can
2: because, because it's, it's fake. It's, it's it, fake, yeah, right? Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know where we got today, Tom. I literally don't know where we got today. <laughs> well, I think it it's all important all to talk, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, it's an important, but it is important to talk about. It. And I think, like, like you know, I want to come away from it. Uh, you know, I know that I come away from it in a way that is still a little confused about. A lot of the statistics that are out there are still a little confused about um, our approach, uh, especially as a nation. When you talk about some of the laws that we've enacted, um, some of the things that we've done, taken down places where people were legally, you know, illegally able to find other people. You know, one thing we didn't even cover was sort of the Backpage thing. Right. Where people were finding other people on Backpage, and that was... In some ways, mitigating some violence against know, women, but yeah. also then perpetuating some violence against women, and it's just it's such a muddy water. It's so hard to, uh, to, uh, to to pick one to to be able to say that this is a hard and fast rule, hard and fast, huh, uh, rule about sexuality because it's 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 so tough to decide whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing that had that actually happened when Backpage came down, even.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because like. Part of me, like I've read so, I've read a bunch of articles on the backpage issue, and like there was a ton of sex workers who were like, "This is a goddamn tragedy for our industry." Sure. But then there was a ton of like, like grossly unethical shit happening through backpage, like the the exploitation of minors, and it's like you want everybody to be protected. Yeah. And and I, sure. I you know I think where we both come to is like, what you need is you need you need to treat people fairly. You need to decriminalize and you need to have some transparency and sunlight in this issue. Sure. And once you have like transparency and sunlight and, you know, like, what is the need for back page if this was decriminalized?
2: Yeah. You just, you just literally, You'd you can a advertise page. anywhere. Yeah. You'd be you can get white pages. Yeah, yellow pages. Exactly. Right. White pages. Yeah. You could put it anywhere. When, when we were in Sydney,
1: Haley and I were walking around and we saw It's funny, we were were walking around. I didn't know prostitution was legal when we were in Australia. I just, it's just something I didn't know. I knew it was legal in parts of it, but not in Sydney. So we were walking around uh, to to go to dinner one night. We walked past like a, what looked like a house and it had a red light. And Haley was like, I think that's a brothel. And I'm like, no way is that a brothel. That's, your that is outrageous. You are outrageous. And she was right because we Googled the address and it was a brothel. And it was just like, any other business it had a website and it had a phone number and Cecil it had reviews you could read sure it had transparency and sunlight and it wasn't criminalized and so it was just another business in a nice neighborhood that we were walking through on our way to get dinner and i and like that's just such an inherently safer
2: transactional space than some sketchy shit on backpage once it becomes legal too it changes how, how our society looks at it as well. Think about the difference nowadays with modern dispensaries yeah. and when you were a kid. Right. Think about the difference of how you would think about just pot right? between now and then. And the, think about the ways in which you think about people who consume pot right. between now and then. And it's a totally different, it feels like a totally different thing nowadays. The moment it becomes a legal thing is the moment that you get not only protections, but I also think that you also get society to open its eyes and say, yeah, that's not a bad thing. That's okay. We can do that. That is a domino effect for the entire sex industry, not just for uh, sex workers who do one-on-one sex work or one-on-many sex work or whatever. It's, it's it, it changes things for pornography. It changes things for for all types of of sex work and sex-related businesses. So uh, that was interesting. That should be fun. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you have any comments or questions, uh, post them on this week's uh, show notes on the Facebook page or send them to us at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. We hope that we covered this, uh, this topic in a way that was interesting for you. And we'd love to hear... Uh, either your experiences or what you thought or if you thought we missed anything, please send it to us um, and we'd love to see it. And I'm sure we missed a lot. (laughs) I'm sure we did. (laughs) So that is going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, Remember to check us out uh, 9 p.m. Central Time Thursday night on YouTube Uh, on Twitch, on Facebook, on all your favorite uh, platforms. We will be doing a live stream. These live streams have become uh, like an enormous amount of fun. People, a lot of people, a lot more people are joining us and we are having a blast. We are interacting with chat. We're just having a great time. So come check them out. Uh, You can find us on all the social medias. There's links, Uh, but we'd love to have you there and we'd love to see and we'd love to chat with you. So come see us 9 p.m. Central, Thursday nights. Uh, And remember, Bulgaria for Charity next week. We're going to leave you like we always do now with the Skeptic's Creed.
3: Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno-Babylon bullshit, couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo-quasi-alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan sales pitch, late night infodocutainment.